Welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on solitaire board gaming. I'm your host Albert, and this is episode 58, an international show. Oh boy. Hey everybody, welcome back. Um, it's only been two weeks since the last show, so time is going very fast. I'm very happy about that. Uh, I am, well, I've been looking forward to doing this show for a while. I really had a lot of fun playing today's game, Nation, and uh, I really enjoyed getting ready for this show too, actually. So let's jump into the news and get that behind us. I don't think I have too much. First up, Fantasy Flight, Gla- Fantasy Flight Games has released Eldrick Horror Expansion, Forsaken Lore. It is now available at your local game store. I haven't played Eldrick Horror yet. Uh, the expansion looks cool. I like the weird character in the cover. Since I don't have the game, I probably won't be buying the expansion anytime soon. Uh, number two, this is interesting. There has been announced a Pandemic Legacy expansion. This is, if you've played or heard of Risk Legacy, it's the same concept. The game, uh, it, it basically it's like a campaign game, and the game changes from play to play in that you would do things like permanently change your game board and stuff like that based on the results of one game. So if you play really well in one game, the next game will be a little bit better. If you play really poorly, the game could get worse. Or so I assume, actually. I don't actually know these facts. Or things. For example, some of the changes could be outbreaks in a city. They could lead to a riot or even a devastated city. It could get to the point where if you've not helped out that city and they've had a lot of problems, they might not even want you back next time. So you can't even travel to that city. Now, this information I actually got from BGG News, as I do for most of my news. Um, so you should go browse for that there if you want to know more about this. The third item is uh, on the last game I talked to you about, Thunderstone Advance. There's a new expansion announced called Into the Abyss. It's got cards from the first six released Thunderstone expansions or releases. Um, I don't believe they mean the Advance. I think they mean the original one. It's also got some new cards, um... And a new use for victory points. This is great. I find that when I was playing, I often end up with a lot of VP and no way to really spend it. I suspect that meant I wasn't playing very well, but still, another use for it would be would be handy. And the final item, I'd just like to say thank you to Bayway for uh, the donation you gave me. Uh really appreciate that. So first up is going to be the interview for today's game with uh, one of the co-designers, Rustin Hawkinson. This is, I enjoyed this interview. Rustin was a very interesting person to talk to. It was a hard interview to do. We both have, uh, very uncompromising schedules because of our family. And also we work, we live in very different parts of the world. So the timing was just hard to arrange. Uh, we had a few failed tries and the first show failed because uh, we had technical difficulties, which is ironic since we're both computer guys. Uh, second show, fell through because my son had broken his arm the day before and so I was I was taking care of him and not really able to make it and uh, I think we had another failed attempt or half attempt and finally we got to do the interview so hope you enjoy this so today I'm talking to Rustin Hawkinson um he's a, one of the designers of the game Nations um hey Rustin how are you doing today hi I'm fine thank you Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Right. So you've got a, a new game, Nations, which is a 
It's a Civ building game, and it supports one to five players. I want to talk to you about it, especially because of the solitaire play. Do you want to tell people anything about the game first? Yeah, it's um, it's a card-based game, so you have your own little empire that you're building on, and uh, the gameplay is very very similar in complexity to Agricola. So if you're used to playing Agricola or similar difficulty games, then you're not going to have a problem with playing this game. Even though it's um, it's a bit heavier on the interaction side and um, takes a bit longer time than Agricola, then, but the complexity is comparable. Okay, you know, it, it did remind me a lot of Agricola in, in the way it felt. Yep, so where you, you used a lot of... We're taking a lot of um, influence from both Agricola and lots of other games that we like uh, when thinking about where should the interaction points be, where should the decision points be. Yep. Gotcha, so. okay. Well, before we, we get into game too much, let me let me find out more about you. Uh, how long have you been designing games? That's um, yeah, that's a difficult question to answer, really. The, uh, what, 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 how do you define... Um, uh, designing games. Uh, when I was small, we did clones of, of Risk and uh, Stratego and such games uh, using our own maps and our own variations. So maybe from I was six, eight or so, but really for designing games that have been put into publication, then this Nations game uh, was the first real one that we started building on for real. But that was maybe seven years ago now or so. But uh, the, because the development time was so long, it, um, during the development time, two other games for me were published. One was a Drupal card game. It was made for, for my employer. So we, we used it as a promotional item, and it was extremely successful for what it was supposed to do. But outside of that community, of the building websites with a specific uh, content management system, <laughs> outside of that community, it's not of high interest. But <laughs> it was still a um, completely original game, and that was my first published game. And then I made lots and lots of uh, expansion armies for Neuroshima Hex, and one of them was published uh, maybe one and a half years ago. The Dancer Army for Nerushimax. Then uh, Na- Nations is the third one that is, and that I'm a co-author of. Wow, neat. Okay, so you've been de- you've been studying games your whole life, pretty much, I guess you could say. Yeah, <laughs> and I've done, I've done lots and lots of, of prototypes. I've t- tons of stuff that is in the pipeline that I would like to to finish, but uh, every I put most stuff um, away until Nations was finished because. Yeah, I wanted really, really wanted it to be be finished and published and done with before I started to focus on any other stuff. So, like like most game designers, I guess. Yeah. Lots of ideas and too little time to finish them all. <laughs> Story of everybody's life, I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, how often do you be, or how often do you play solo games? Say again. How often do you play solo games? Oh, how often? Um, the um, it, it varies a lot. Um, like with um, all my gaming, it d- depends on the situation and such. Uh, I I don't regularly solo game. Uh, I've done in in batches, and um, maybe on average, maybe one, once or twice a month or so. But uh, um, it, it comes in in batches. So I I find some some game that I like to play solo, and then I play it a lot. Then uh, it takes a while, and then I find some something else, and then I play that a lot. And okay. I, I've been working with with games so long that um, 
the, I have a lot of games in my collection, and uh, when something takes my fancy, I, I play it a lot. And I, I like to play new games as well. And I'm, I, I've tried lots and lots of games. And solo gaming is uh, is a good way to learn gaming, even if you want to play them multiplayer later. Mm-hmm. Yep. And what are your favorite types of games? Um, yeah, mostly shorter games due to me having kids now. The but uh, Euro games and uh, filler games are probably my favorite or my most often played categories now. But um, during my during my years, I played uh, role playing games and miniatures games. I have thousands of miniatures. Uh, oh wow! So the I've been working with conventions and and uh, I've been doing distribution and, and all sorts of stuff. So I've been been touching lots and lots of, of the gaming hobby. Uh, but right now, the mostly mostly film games and your uh, games. Okay, so you know you mentioned you play uh, shorter games more often. Nations is actually kind of short, at least playing it solitaire. I mean. You yep, could, you could that's, uh, that, that's really intentional to that, that it should be short. The uh, that's the, the way I see it. The, I, I I've never had the patience to sit down and play a two three hour game solo. Uh, so the, mm-hmm. that wasn't um, within my what what I wanted to wanted the game to do. And I I really th- thought that it could be done faster when it was. Uh, so I mean, it should go fast and be quick and easy to set up and and, and work with. So um, I, I dislike advanced opponents, uh, advanced um, structured robot opponents. And uh, in, in nations, the solo opponent is definitely not a mm-hmm. lot of stuff to keep track of for for, um, for, for making that, per, that that opponent work. Yeah, it, it worked surprisingly well. I thought too. I, I really like the the way it plays out. And Thank I mean, if, I haven't had a chance to play multiplayer yet. And unfortunately, the copy I was playing was a borrowed copy. Um, but it, it seems like it'll it'll feel real similar to the multiplayer game. It, it, there are there are some differences. Um, some things are very hard to to simulate. Uh, that simple in solo game. So I I wanted to focus on some things and. Um, if if you play solo and then go on to multiplayer, then you you're gonna know the game. You you will know how it works and you'll have no no problem teaching it. But some of the things that you that that, that happens in multiplayer games are not present at all in, in the solo game. So like like some mm-hmm. some of the race situations are non-existent in the in the solo game because the uh, that that would make the solo opponent. Much too difficult to to manage. Um, not 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 difficult, but it it would be t- too time consuming. During my development, I, I did not find a, a good way to simulate everything, and I focused on speed and ease of use I- instead of simulating the full game fully. So the, it's going to be a different experience, but it's comparable sort of to to the difference between number of players in a multiplayer game, especially two player games, are very different from. Three, four play games. Mm-hmm. Three and four play games are, are quite similar, but then five play games again is quite diff- different. So the, the experience varies depending on the number of players that are playing, and uh, as also depending on the difficulty level that you that you choose. So there are a lot of options for varying the game um, 
outside of the variation inside the yeah, how, how you play with the things that are given the, the with, with the cards that come up so the, the the setup the number of players and the difficulty setting that those are major inputs in into how different how, how the game is going to go yeah that makes sense that makes a lot of sense let me ask you there's a uh, three other designers listed on the game mm-hmm. yep. uh, what, what role did each of you play um the, the 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 designers on the game, um, me, my wife, and my two brothers, and we the, the roles have varied. the The uh, main categorizations that, that that I can say is that uh, I I've been the person to handle the publication of it and the context with the, with the publishers and publisher and such because I I've been working with the publishing publishing and the distribution and such, so I I know. Mm-hmm. All the people I've been in contact with since before, so that was obviously my role. And uh, my brothers, they are both very historically interested, so they have been more okay. They, they they are responsible for the historical aspects of it. But otherwise, then we have switched around in who who is driving, who who is responsible for for making sure that things happen, and who is testing what, and who is interested in what, and who is working on what ID. So it's been a real collaborative effort, and it's been going on over so many years. So that was that that it worked out, and that so all of us were involved, and it was important. If some, if even one of us had been out, the game would have been less good. Wow. Okay. It's nice when you work in a team, and it just everybody works well together, and it just falls out, like falls together that way. It ends up being that, such that a, was a that, that was a big reason for for starting the project at all. We wanted to have a project together. So oh, okay. we were we were living in different cities and wanted to have something to keep in touch around. Oh, I see. That's a neat idea. And you know, that was the next thing I was going to ask you. What inspired you to make nations? Yeah, the um, we were we've been playing games for a long, long time, and. Uh, we have been playing civilization games, both computer game, computer-based games and um, uh, board games with a civilization theme. And uh, we we played uh, through the ages a lot, and really, really liked that. But then we we wanted to make something different, and uh, start, started with some of the inspirations from uh, from through, through the ages, and thought that, oh, this is really cool. We can, it's actually possible to make a civilization, civilization games without dudes on a map. And if dudes on a map are not present, then there's a whole range of, of additional complexity that can be added, and, and additional interactions that are, that, 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 that you can spend time on that is not managing dudes on a map and that was really interesting to us and uh, yeah we that that was a starting position that okay this is cool this is a new design space that can that something can be done with and um, i'm i'm very surprised that not more other games have uh, t- taken that to heart that it's it's possible to to do this kind of thing so there are Really, no. Very few games that are similar to to the new design space that uh, through they just open, open up. If you compare it to Dominion, for example, then Dominion has lots and lots of people that have explored that design space more. Mm-hmm. But the uh, my, my guess is that through they just um, the, the design space there is is not 
as clear and it's not as easy to to make a, a game in that category. It's uh, it's a lot heavier than Dominion or most most games. Okay, I haven't had a chance to play that yet. My friends keep telling me I should try it. Yeah, definitely, you should try. Okay, I uh, will have to make time. The problem is making time. That that's always a problem. Yeah. Uh, always. <laughs> it's one of the classics, so yep. should be trying. So so the game does support solitaire play, right? Um, yep. Was, why did you choose to include solitaire play, and, and was that part of your initial goal, or did that come along later on? We say, oh, we should add this. The, um, no, it was not there from the start, definitely not. The, the Our goal from the start was just, okay, we want to make a perfect game for us. What... what what is the historical game that is that is civilization game that is not dudes on a map that supports everything that we want to do with the game that we want to play together. But then we we, we played it with friends and in lots and lots of different groups and after a couple of years it, it turned out that okay this is everyone else that we were playing with they want, they want us to bring our prototype and want to play it with us. And then I, I spoke to publishers, and then, oh, yeah, we, we want to do this. This is really good. And uh, it was really the, the first time they saw the, the, the publishers. So I, they said, okay, yeah, we're doing this. It was no, no thinking time at all. They just, oh, this is what we want to do. And then we, we went with it. But it, maybe that was uh, January 2012 that the publishers saw it. We were working towards that maybe since... 2010, I think. Okay. And so, so the solitaire play was uh, suggested by the publishers? No. Um, this, the, the solitaire play was, was my, my idea and uh, my gut feeling that this game should support solitaire play without a huge change and without a massive AI. And it's pretty closely tied together with the dice game, actually. The my my feeling since maybe four or five years back was that, okay, this game should support both solitaire play and it should be possible to make a good dice version. And I, I worked on both, and mostly me that worked on both of these. And um, I, I, I ran through four versions, four major versions of, uh, of both, of both the solitaire play and the dice game. Uh, completely different, but and overlapping some or in different times for, for some. But I, during roughly four years, I worked on both of them. And uh, the, the solitaire play needed to be finished before the publication. And mm-hmm. I, I ha- had to lobby quite hard with the publisher to, to include it uh, because they, they, they weren't by, by far as keen as I. To, to include it, but now when it was and it was so well received, the, the publisher is very happy that that it, that it went in and that, that they spent the extra work to put the actual tiles in there that, that were needed. Um, with, without the tiles, it was really really hard to to make it as easy as I wanted it to be. Mm-hmm, yeah. So publishers are still not really keen on the idea of solitaire play. They didn't see the the value. No, they they thought that not that many people would be interested in it. Okay. Yeah, I think that's starting to change. I hope so. Mm, not, not that many games, uh, or I might not have the eye out for it, but uh, I, I don't see that many games 
supporting solo game with actual bits. In more like, okay, the, you use the existing components in the game and do this wonky solo player opponent that is not really working all that well. That's but, right. Yeah, I could probably think of maybe four games that have extra components just for solitaire play. Okay. Not very many at all. So, do you find it harder to play against the AI or against the player? Uh, harder in, in what sense? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. Is it a... Do you do you do better when you're playing against the AI, or do you, do you win more often? Do you think? How about that? They they are not really that closely comparable. The, you, you get victory points in both, but the 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 victory points aren't really uh, uh, something that you can look at and see. Okay, I, I got this many victory points. I I'm this good at the game because. How many victory points you get in the multiplayer game is very closely related to the type of game that you're playing. In with, with, with what I mean is that okay, is this a heavy competition game where you both go cutthroat and try to block uh, at every possible position? And um, are you all investing a lot in, into military and trying to hit each other? Or you, you can play really well and play one game, two games back-to-back with the same people. And in one game, everyone gets around 30, and in another game, everyone gets around 50. It's completely possible. Um, so it's, it's a different experience. And um, um, I've included the uh, Hall of Fame. It's like, like With a lot of things, we have taken influence from the Civilization computer games, and in those, you have... Uh, Hall of Fame, that you are better than uh, Cleopatra or, or Caesar or someone, something based on your score. And that's what I did here as well. But it still is... It, it's... No, if, if you use the exact same tiles uh, in, in two games and uh, and you use um, closely... Um, yeah, a, a smaller pack of cards so that it's pretty regulated, even smaller than the basic set, then then you can sort of see, okay, how, how good are you? But that's not the experience that we have optimized. That, that's not what we've built the game for. We're built for variability, for, for replayability, and um, and for fun, really not for, for, for points. So... It is difficult for me to say who is harder. It's a different experience. Yeah, I see what you're saying. You can't really compare the two. I I prefer to play against uh, human opponents. I prefer the multiplayer games, and uh, that's what I... I I play board games because I want to play against other humans. That's that's the main thing. uh, Yeah, Yeah, it's true. A lot of times a multiplayer game is just more fun just because of the interaction and... Yep. You know, you're playing with a person, you tell jokes, you talk, you have a good time. And if you're playing solo, hopefully you're not telling as many jokes and laughing at <laughs> each version of yourself or something. Um, have you ever tried using the AI as another player? Like, maybe, say, play with one opponent and the AI? Does that and work? The, the, this was something that was proposed by a user on BoardGameGeek, and uh, I think it's a very good idea. I I did not have that idea during development. I have not tested it, and I have not tested it since that uh, the suggestion was put up. But 
uh, the uh, I think it's a very good idea, and uh, people have reported success with it on Board Game Geek. So the the idea is to to use the the uh, solo tiles as um, another player position to make the two-player game less harsh because the two-player game can be really, really rough and uh, you, because you're always playing against other players, so denying the opponent something is often just as good or, or better than mm-hmm. taking something good for yourself. So the for people that want the two-player game to be more like three- and four-player game, then uh, I, I think this should work well, and people are reporting success with it. So I'm very happy for that. that um, uh, I don't remember who, who made the suggestion, but uh, I'm very happy for it. Okay. That, that, that's a neat idea. I'll have to try that at some point. Um, so, you know, the game has has quite a lot of cards. I mean, I guess we haven't really talked a lot of detail about what it's like, but you're, you're playing cards that represent things from history, events or individuals or places. Um, and there's there's a few hundred cards in there. It must have been fun to come up with all those different uh, historical things. And I'm guessing your your brothers did that mainly? Yep. yep. Did you have to cut out a lot, a lot of the cards? I imagine yes. you probably came up with like 2,000 different things. We, uh, at one point, we had close to 500 cards in the wow, game. Okay. And, and how many... Uh, how many there there have been more, much more cards that have been um, up for discussion that, than that still. So we have cut out a lot, yes. I imagine it would be hard to, to figure out what to keep. Um, do you have some favorite cards? Mm, yeah, I like Buddha, uh, one of the advisors, that um, he forces you to meditate. And uh, the, uh, the that means skipping a turn. And it is quite hard to use, but in the in, in quite a lot of situations, he's interesting. He's an interesting choice, and I'm happy with how he turned out and how how simple he is, but how much he adds to the game in in variation and in um, yeah for, for for in some situations he can be really good, but he mm-hmm. has some serious issues uh, that that you need to be aware of. Uh, so. Not a lot of people use him, especially initially, when you're learning the game. He seems like, oh, this is really powerful, but oh, no, this is a really bad thing that's going to keep me keep me behind. But um, I like him. I like how he can turn out. I like um, Hagia Sophia, one of the, uh, one of the wonders that um, we, we pushed it. So it's not in the base game. It's one of the promo cards. But you have to invest a lot into building it, and then you have to keep it until the end of the game. You don't get a lot of benefit before the end of the game. And if you're ever losing against a war, any war, then it's raised, it's destroyed, and you're not getting the result of your heavy investment. And it turned out that it was too difficult to even at the expert level pack to, to have in the base game. So we, we pushed it out and then added it as an, as an uh, as a promo card instead because then people will will have an easy time to understand that okay this is breaking a bit with the with the format. But uh, the, I'm I'm happy we 
were able to, to get that published at all because I, I liked that game during development and I was very sad to, to have to, to, to see it cut. But the, the others convinced me that, okay, this, this needs to go. It's not, uh, it's not fit for the base game. Are there any cards that you're happy to see go? Um, <laughs> I would have to dig into my, my history files. <laughs> I, I imagine. The, the, the things that I didn't like, I've, uh, I, I've purged them from my mind. Did you generally not like stuff just because of the way it played out? Were there any that you had in there that you might have said, I don't like having this piece of history in there. It doesn't fit the rest of the game or something. Um, not that I can think of on top of my head, no. And we, uh, There are some things that we have been careful with, uh, but that's mm, nothing... Nothing that has made it into the yeah oh yeah the, one thing that we were careful with was was the um, Muhammad so we at one point we had Muhammad uh, as an advisor and then mm-hmm. thinking a bit of it no it's not a good idea to have a picture of Muhammad in the game yeah it, and then, religion uh, can always be so touchy yeah and um, the um, that, then we thought about what what can we do about it, and we we took one of, uh, of Muhammad's generals instead. And the when working through this a couple of rounds, it, we we were actually very happy that we started thinking about that because it turned out that the effects of the of the card were much better were were much better tied to that person and also tied into the game. So purging him was. What was a great improvement from the game, so I'm very happy happy for that one. So you could say I'm happy we let Muhammad go. <laughs> the, the the start of that process was the the difficulty with the coming up with a, a symbol or a representative image for him. So yeah, that makes sense. That's a, that's a bit of background that I'm written about anywhere. So oh. <laughs> I'm not even close. No, I've been I've been careful with that. Yeah, I wonder if I should cut it out. <laughs> no, no, it shouldn't be a problem. No, the, the it's just how things are. Uh, yeah. you, you should not put uh, put a picture of Muhammad at all. Mm-hmm. It's causing issues. Um. So, so as I was as I've been playing, you know, I started with just the, the basic cards, and then the rules say you know start with these, and later on add some of the advanced ones. I did that in the solo game, and I found that I had so many cards that it, it, I ended up getting weird weird sets of cards in the play. For example, I make it a whole lot of uh, wonders in one game and very, very few in the next game at all. And that became more apparent with a lot of cards in there. Um, do you suggest mixing them? or did yep. you, did you... The In the game, we're breaking with some of the um, normal structures that people expect. Like, this is an engine-building game, and lots of people in the first game are going to add as many workers as they can, as fast as they can. And if you do that, you're going to die. You you don't you won't know how to deal with those. And for most situations, it not, it's not good to grow in the first or even the second round, maybe even third round. It depends on the situation. Mm-hmm. And we have put in some recommendations in the game that this is how to start out. And we we want people to to explore the game for themselves. For the most part, that's what, how we like to to learn. We don't want a lot of pointers. That this is the this strategy. Do it like this, and this is this other strategy. That this is how you play. That I I don't like to to have uh, 
strategies imposed on me in games. And so, so we we worked a lot on, on how to present this, and we were probably a bit too... We, we should have been more clear, more hard, saying, do absolutely not do this. Uh, you d- do not use all the cards in the first game. Because lots of people have done that. And then some continue to play and learn how, how it works. But it breaks many of the expectations, especially if you have played a game like Through the Ages before and expect it to work similar to that, because it's definitely not similar to, to Through the Ages in how you actually play. It has similarities in terms of of how uh, cards look, because it's a civilization game, card-based, not dudes on a map. So uh, Three Dangers is the closest cousin by looks. But in how you play and how you think about your game and your interactions, then it's it's actually not that close at all. And uh, there's been lots and lots of discussions on BoardGameGeek and uh, in person with people. Is it it closely related to that game or not? And it's understandable. But my... My position in this, no, they are not at all closely related in, in in terms of how you think about the game and how you experience the game. And if you go in expecting to to have to play like through the ages, in uh, okay, I need, I absolutely need military to to win the, in this game or even survive in the game, then you're gonna be disappointed because there are not as many military units as you need, and in, in a, if you have the only base cards, then your expectations will be easier to to play with. You you will get more what you expect in in both with military cards and with lots of other stuff. But lots of players that that have played once and then been really disappointed, it's often due to playing in a way that is based on expectations and not really about how is the game presenting things to you? You don't need military to win. You don't need to to have any military during the whole game. Depending on you, you might not win if you if you stuck with that. But it's probably better to to at least at one point pick up some military uh, when it's suitable and grab grab a colony that that is open for you. Then the other's not gonna gonna try to get. But the um, the, ver- the added variability that you get when using all the cards it breaks with some of the expect- expectations and it's going to be tough for for you to upgrade your military as much as you want to. But military is the is the main point where people see this and they want an upgraded military card and there is none. But this is true for all the cards. There there is no situation possible where um, every player will be able to take one better of everything they are interested in. So military is just the thing that most people recognize immediately, that, okay, I'm not going to be able to get as many as I want of this type of card. But the, uh, the this is a base part of the game. It's really important that, that it is so, and there are ways around it. And there are lots of things that you can do, even though there's a big, big shortage. And we we really really wanted the game to be replayable in uh, as much as we could, and we played many hundreds of games, and we still really like to play it. And th- this is not possible if if you're using a, a base a, a set that is tightly controlled. 
So if, if we play with only the base set and play five games, six games, then we're going to get bored because that is the, the, the situations that arise are so similar to each other. And the, uh, the, the, the cards are just the same cards. With the, uh, when all the cards are added together, they add these different situations that, okay, now we have more of this type, and now more of this type, and now we get nothing of this. For example, mm -hmm. if, if you get no war cards in a round, that's, it happens. Maybe two, three rounds, that, that's not uncommon. That had two or three rounds in a, in a full game when using all the cards that, that have no war cards. It's not in every game. In many games, you have at least one war card every round, but it, it still happens, and that will cause demilitarization often. And uh, it, it changes the game a lot. So the, the game is built around this concept of, of uh, more cards coming up, less cards coming up, and giving you ways to work around that. But it takes time. It takes a lot of time, maybe 10 games or even 15 games, to see most of the options that you have because they are not clear in, in, the, in the normal sense of what you expect the games to tell you. They are available. There are paths to, to go, uh, go about getting more stuff or may, putting you up for in putting, making a position for yourself that is good for the coming rounds. Maybe not the, even the next round, maybe two rounds up. That, okay, I'm building for this, even though it's, it's not obvious. If you're only reacting, if you're only playing tactically, that, okay, this is my position in the instability, this is my position in strength, I'm playing towards um, books for the end of this age, and I'm playing towards the events. And I'm playing towards the cards that are available on the table. Then you're gonna lose, even if you play uh, play on the same level as someone else it, that is playing more strategic, strategically and thinking about how is uh, are things gonna come up later rounds. You're, you're gonna lose, and um, you you have to do some things that maybe not are optimal for for this round to position yourself to have more possibilities for the coming rounds. Yeah, th this is this is a main sticking point for for the game. The uh, people understanding this and liking this, they're gonna love the game. If you don't like this variability, then the game is probably not for you. The, the there are ways to handle this. We uh, added a small ver variant, um, and uh, it was very simple. And there has been quite a lot of discussion on it uh, on Board and Geek, and people have uh, added more variants. Some, some small. With, with a little work and some with a, with a lot of work to how to keep the um, um, variability more under control. And that was not our intention. We wanted larger swings because we yeah. wanted the game to be not just a, something you're, you're finished with after five games or ten games. We wanted it to build a game that you want to play hundreds of games. And um, if you like how, how it works then you're probably going to love it even after 100 games. If you don't like it, then maybe not a game for you. Or play with a tightly controlled deck. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. You know, I, I do like that uh, the way that you, you have a strategy going in, but then you have to deal with the cards that come out and adjust your strategy as you're playing along. And I mean, there is some tactics in this strategy. In it. And I've yeah. noticed that as you're playing, like you said, 
you want to get everybody. Your your mind is oh, I need to have everything as high as I can. But the game is balanced so that if you decide not to raise your military, there's other ways you could compensate it. At least like in a solo game, if I if I don't spend any money any resources in my military, then I'm going to lose all the wars that happen to come out, and you know that's okay because I've got more resources to get more books or food or whatever it is I happen to be losing. So so I do like that. There's that there's that balance there, and it does become interesting. You're right. Yep. The st- strength and stability are the, the most obvious ones. Um, absolutely, the, they they are the ones that okay. Stability directly benefits you if if you're ignoring st- if you're ignoring strength. You 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 get bo- bonuses for both the uh, events and for mitigating the effects of, of wars. And losing one victor point to a war that's fine. You you don't want to do it every round, but doing it a couple of rounds then. The, the things you get instead for producing, instead of having your uh, resource-consuming uh, militaries, that is fine. But th- there are there are many other things that, as well that you can do. You can ignore um, some resources for a while, quite 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 a lot. There are some that are more that are trickier to be uh, completely without. For example, gold. If you completely mm-hmm. ignore gold, so you have zero gold, then you're not going to be able to to really do anything because all new cars require you to have gold, but not a lot. So even if you have just a little, some small ways of getting gold, it can be even as small as one wonder card or one advisor that gives you gold for in some ways. Then you can be completely fine for many rounds, even mm-hmm. on very very slim income. And you don't need to have buildings for everything. And uh, th- this became, becomes more apparent when you start to use the uh, the B-sides that are different for all the players, that have le- fewer spaces for buildings. Then you have to have other things that produce some resources for you because you can't sit there and wait for the perfect building because all the buildings are different and uh, many of the buildings will not come up in the game. So if you just sit around and think, okay, I'm going to get that building. It's going to be great when it comes up. <laughs> then, no, you can't do it like that. And it'll even be here in the can... ninth age. Say it? It'll be, it'll be showing up in the ninth round, probably. Yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> you just the, did one more. The, the, um, the situation, anyway, would be that only the person that is in the highest strength in the round that it appears would be able to, to grab it. And if the game instead were like, okay, we have lots of copies of all the cards, and everyone can get everything that they want, that I'm building my strategy around getting that specific card in that specific round, it would make for a much, much more boring game. Mm-hmm. And so, so it's not aligning with, with the intentions that we had in, during the design and development. That this is We want to make a game that, that is replayable in extremes. And... Uh, it's it's a lot of tactics, uh, but if you don't have any strategy at all and not not think about the coming rounds at all, um, and that, then you're gonna lose. And it's more like, okay, what positions do I take compared to the other players? In, in much more that than individual cards that I'm I'm um, planning on getting, and uh, the, you, you have to prioritize mm-hmm. hard every round, every time it's your turn. That Okay, what 
what am I ignoring now? What am I? What, what can I afford to risk to not get for for several rounds? Can I uh, can I skip on getting upgraded gold income for possibly three four rounds? Do I compensate that for, with um, upgrading my my military so I go for earlier internal so I have a, a earlier pick on on gold producing things for for the later rounds? So you're you're positioning yourself and you're thinking about what what are my my flow situations during the game or not, not how do I say this the um, you can't be on top of everything all the time and you have to pick your moments when you invest heavily in in something or something else and you, you have to uh, you have to compare with other players or what 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 is opportune for me to do now and what do I need to do later or what would mm-hmm. do I need to do right now so yeah it, it's it's more of a it, it's, if I have to say is this strate- a strate- strategical game or a tactical game it's definitely a tactical game but there are some strategies to it too yeah definitely definitely do you so so I know you've got a contest that's going on or the contest is over but the results aren't really out to to come up with some expansions. Do you have any other plans for expansions? Any anything yes. other than the contest? Okay. Yes. Um, thinking about a lot of things and th- talking with the publisher, and uh, there is nothing else that I can tell you about right now. the uh, The dice game is going to come out this year. It's uh, in the final stages of preparation for for printing, so it's going to be out before SM. And the uh, expansion is. We, we had the contest to, to try to get people to suggest things, and we've got a lot of great suggestions and working on them and discussing on what are the best things that we can do now, what can we save for later. And um, we have published the the, the randomized winners. There were t- ten winners that got a randomized prize, mm-hmm. uh, but the three winners that are going to be the picked winners with these are the things that we think are best, Oh, that's <laughs> lots of thinking, lots of talking, and uh, it, it's not done. Um, it will take some more time until until we're, we're ready with that because we lots of very interesting ideas. Um, I I can't say what what's going to be in the expansion. Some things are easier to guess. Some things are, are pretty clear, but we no, nothing is decided. It's not even. 100% sure that there's going to be an expansion, but mm-hmm. the publisher hopes for it and we hope for it, definitely, and we're working on it. We have been thinking about expansions for five years and uh, really hoping we can <laughs> manage to put some of our ideas in there, and if we're going to get a wish, then we, we would like to make several expansions. So it's going to be a question of what to put in the first expansion and uh, hope that it will be popular enough that we're gonna get the opportunity to make even more. Mm-hmm. But the the question is, uh, if if it's going is it popular enough that that uh, expansion is worth making, and when can we get it done? Because it's extremely important to us to to make sure it is not just something extra to to sell, but it actually adds value to the game. That's and, right. So and also that it does not break anything, you know. So we want to have it 
well tested and uh, the, making this contest was a way of speeding things up because the the development time for the base game is was just too long we wouldn't be able to make an expansion if it took 6 years to to publish that one so we we were only four people plus the playtesters uh, that that suggested lots of things to us but we if we made this and the people that are really interested in the game and we're able to make structured suggestions for more things, then we hoped to be able to cut down the development time a bit so that we didn't have to to um, improve and improve and improve for so many years. Maybe get uh, a couple of cycles, but not this huge, long, outrun cycle of, of inventing things. So I hope we'll be able to use some of the ideas that, that uh, were presented in the in the contest, and we're gonna draw, of course, heavily on on everything that we have been forced to cut out from the base game, and uh, all, all the thinking that had gone into it during all these years. But yeah, we're we're hoping for um, expansion for the big game for next year, and uh, hopefully more things after that. But I I can't say anything. I understand. We can see than that. that. Yeah, there's so much opportunity for expanding the game. I mean, there's so many different ways you could go. I imagine you guys would have run out of ideas for a long, long time. It's just a matter of getting them done. Now, regarding the dice game, Nations, the dice game, what is what is it like? Um, is the game, is the design done? Yes, yes, it's finished. Uh, um, it's been put through uh, blind testing and uh, many rounds of, of testing in, in various groups and such. So it's, it's done. And uh, I... In, after... After it was finished, and okay, this is the final version. I played lots and lots of games, maybe 50 games after that, and uh, th- there has been nothing that either me or any of the playtesters have said. Okay, this is something that needs to be changed. The lots of things that have been considered, but no, nothing that no. Th- this is this is what is going is going to be. Uh, so the development process for that was in the end when it. When, when it's uh, the, the fourth version of what what it, what it was supposed to be, it, I, I, I did that in September last year, and in October, late October, the the how it's gonna how it was going to be was pretty close to what was finished, and uh, then the final touches, the final changes were done in. February, I think, and since February there has been really nothing that I wanted to change. So wow, it, it's a lot simpler than the beginning because there are very few special things. That it's it's structured and regular, and only the um, the wonders vary a little bit in in their setup. Uh, the uh, the rest of the things are are much much easier. The the, the very variation in uh, powers for for the advisor, for example, in the in the big game, then there is nothing like that. Instead, for advisors, you get rerolls, and it's uh, all the all the advisors in every age are exactly the same. So the, there are the, the variation is a lot less in that sense, but the um, interesting situations that come up are. Oh, there, there are a lot of those because of because you're rolling dice, and the mm-hmm. dice are inherently variable. You cannot know what they're gonna show. So, 
the, the games are very different in structure. Uh, the, the big game has um, no, no output randomness. You don't you, you don't know. There, there's nothing that you okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna do this, and I don't know what's gonna happen when I do it. You're mm-hmm. you're playing with open options. You know what your actions are gonna have in consequence. But in the uh, in the dice game, you roll your dice, and you have no idea what they're gonna show. So that's that's output randomness for you. I see. Yeah. Uh... Um, does the dice game support solitaire play also, or is that only yeah. multiplayer? Yeah. Does, okay. In, in a um, sort sort of similar way to the to the beginning. Yeah. Okay. How many dice is it? Forty four plus uh, plus one die extra for the solo game. So for forty four production dice plus one regular normal four four sided die. And these are custom dice. Yeah, forty-four custom dice. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Uh, four, four types, and uh, twenty of one type. That's your base dice that you're you're using for the start. So you start with five base production dice, and then uh, there are three upgraded types, and uh, eight of each. So forty-four in total. So the 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 main concept is that you're replacing your your production with dice. So you're not keeping your your resources from round to round. You get them anew every round in the form of dice, plus some uh, strict tokens that are, okay, I have like three gold that are just gold. They, they can't be anything else. They are tokens for gold, and I can use them as one or two together and such. Or I can combine them with the gold rolled by the dice. But I get them anew every round, so I, I, I can't save them. So it's not producing and, and saving and spending in the same way as in the big game. You, you're replacing these with dice. So your militaries and your, your buildings, they have dice symbols on them. And when you take a new one, you replace the old one. You, you toss away the, the old dice that you had on that card, and you, you get new dice, and you roll them, and you can use them immediately. So the, um, that, that is the big structural change, and uh, it, it forces lots and lots of other changes as a consequence of that, and the game is a lot faster. So maybe 10 to 15 minutes per player, depending on uh, how much you think and such. But the, um, it, it, the the main that, that's the main difference. It's uh, it's dice instead of uh, production sheets, but still keeping a lot of the interaction points. Uh, it feels very similar to playing the big game, but with a lot more hmm. randomness and, and a lot faster. Okay, I look forward to trying that too. Uh, I've I started to make some some design and diary entries on the game page, but now I've been uh, having other stuff to do, plus the contest results to go through. So the now for a couple of weeks, uh, I haven't done any new ones, but I think there are three, uh, three design and diaries. So a bit more background on that, and I'm gonna write more on those uh, as I have time. So I'm gonna publish more, more, uh, yeah, more. more in how to play, and we're gonna uh, put up the the rule book there as well uh, as soon as as soon as possible. So you're gonna be able to see how everything works with it. Very cool. Okay. Well, I don't think I have any anything else to bring up. Uh, is there anything you want to mention? Mm, no. Thank you very much for for having me on, and uh, 
hope people play the play them both the solo game and the big version of the multiplayer version of the game. And yeah, I'm happy to have the opportunity to talk about the especially the the, the solo uh, the the solo playing the both background on the of uh, how it came to and how it works and such. So uh, I'm very happy it got included in the game. It was it, it was wor- worth the development and worth the fight too, because I've seen so many people enjoying it. I'm I'm very happy for that. Awesome. Yeah, it's it's been it's a really fun game. I've really enjoyed playing it a lot, and I've really enjoyed just playing as you're playing it, dealing with all the strategies you got to deal with, figuring out what what you got available and what you got to do. It's just a really neat design. Thank you. I'm very happy to hear it. Yep, and thank you for coming on the show also. Thanks. Well, have a good evening. Can't wait to see the next game. Okay. Well, all right. I hope you enjoyed that interview. It was really, I really thought it was interesting. Um, it's surprisingly long. Now, let me tell you, this segment, this is the second time I record talking about the game. I did it once, and I didn't like how it came out too much, so I'm going to try it again, and hopefully it's better, and if not, I'll end up using the old one or maybe bits from both. Um, here's the thing, though. This game, as I mentioned in the interview, was a borrowed copy, and I have given it back, and it's already been a couple weeks, so so my memories get a little bit rusty. So, that being said, Nations is a civ-building game. It is a card-drafting game, and is designed for one through five players. It uh, came out last year, 2013, and is designed by... Um, and it's designed by Einar Rosen, Robert Rosen, Nina Hawkinson, and Rustin Hawkinson. In this game, you're playing over four ages of mankind. Um, I guess the, the Bronze Age, then the Middle Ages, Renaissance, and then Early Industrial Age. I think and that's, you know, it's more or less accurate, I'm sure. It's not exactly right. For example, the Fourth Age includes the Civil War, which I think was pre-industrialism. Just barely, though, huh? Anyway, so it plays over four ages, and it's eight turns long, so it's two turns per age. Now, this game is compromised primarily of cards, so there's lots of different cards represent those four ages. As a matter of fact, each age has a deck of cards you'll play with. Um, I'm not sure how many cards I'd say somewhere... Probably in the field of 60 to 80 cards per age. And each card is unique and they, they represent different things. There's, there's buildings that might have existed in that period. There are wonders you could build from those, that period. And these are all actual real life wonders that existed. Like say the pyramids of Giza, the hanging gardens, the Tower of London. There are military units you could buy. There are people you can recruit, uh, historical figures. Um, there's famous battles or wars in there, and uh, and a few other types of cards. Um, but generally, these cards, they're you know, it's just a a neat glimpse at the last couple thousand years of history. You know, have you seen these books at the bookstore, like uh, a thousand places you must visit in your lifetime? In a way, going through these cards is a lot like looking through that book. It's just you know, you're looking at these places and you go, oh, that's neat. Oh, I remember reading about this before and that sort of thing. Um, in a way, it has the same satisfaction as that book. At least for me, it does. Okay, so I've kind of told you a little bit about the cards. I'm not going to get into tons of details, again, since I don't have the game with me. I will tell you there's 
this is a game about managing resources, I think, at its heart. And there's a few different types of resources. There is gold, there's food, there's coal, there's victory points, books, military, and stability. And all these are the different types of resources you have to manage. And I guess even to to some extent workers, because it is a worker placement game also. Now, you know, the resources work a little bit different. The first ones that I mentioned, the gold, coal, food, and victory points, and books, are are things you get and then can spend. Some you can spend more easily than others, but you know, in a way you can spend them all. They they go up and down, and you earn them, and if you spend them, you lose a little bit. Uh, for example, and the cards that give you these things generally give you a little bit every turn. For example, if you have cards that give you food, you know, it's maybe three food every turn. The stability and military, when you get a card that gives you these, it's a, it raises the value by a fixed amount. It's not something you earn every turn. So if I buy a military unit that gives me a military rating of five, I go up by five and it stays at that level until I get rid of a card or add another. So they do work a little bit different. And the, the last thing I mentioned that could be thought of as a resource, it isn't, but it could be thought are the workers. This is a worker placement game also, and as you buy cards, specifically buildings and uh, the military units, you need to assign workers to these things. And when you do that, you'll spend some coal to place the workers or something else possibly. As I said, these are a resource in the sense that you could actually buy more workers if you want to by spending food or stability. So this is a drafting game also. So let me let me... Let me quickly describe the turn or the game. You're going to play over eight turns, and I said there's four decks, one per age of man, and there's four ages in the game. Each turn you're going to, and there, okay, now there's a board, and on this board you're going to lay five columns of cards with three rows in each column. You can lay these cards out. The first turn you'll lay them from just age one, turn two you'll, and in any empty spaces you'll add cards from age one again. On the third turn, on an empty spaces, you'll add cards from the third age. So you've laid these cards out, and then in your turn, you're going to be drafting cards. You're going to be basically buying them. And the cost is one for the bottom row, two for the middle row, or three gold for the top row. So so generally, you know, you want to buy the ones from the bottom row if you can, but then again, sometimes you really need something from the top row or the middle row, and you're going to have to spend more to get them. So you can lay out the cards, and they'll be available to buy. And your turn basically consists of either buying a card, um, placing a worker, or s- using an architect to to build to work on building a wonder. You you'll spend your turn taking these actions. You're going to be alternating turns between yourself and the robot AI. The robot is a simplified player in that. Each time when he plays, he's gonna you're gonna flip a tile that are specifically designed for the solitaire game, and it's gonna tell you different values that he has, and how he works when he rolls a five or a six. I said you're gonna take you're gonna alternate taking turns. On your turn, you're gonna buy a card. I I said five columns. There's actually four columns that you put cards out to. So you didn't have fifteen out. You only had twelve cards out. Um, the reason that matters is. On your turn, you're going to buy a card from one of the columns or take one of the other two actions I mentioned, and then the robot will get to go. For the robot, you roll a d6. If you roll 1, 2, 3, or 4, you take all the columns for cards from that column that you rolled. 
If you roll a 5 or a 6, you look at the tile that you drew for the robot for this turn, and it tells you what to do. And generally it's things like either raise his military or lower his military, raise his stability, um, that sort of thing. And you're going to keep alternating turns now between yourself and the robot until you decide you're done and then the turn ends. Once, once, well, before it ends, what you're going to do now is gather resources and potentially collect victory points, basically. You're going to gather resources based on the cards you have bought and the cards you now have. And specifically the ones you've, well, and specifically for buildings and military, the ones you have placed workers on. Then you're also going to gain or lose some victory points based mainly on how many books you have versus the AI and what your stability rating is versus the AI. And that's generally the turn. I glossed over and I skipped some details and all that. And you'll set up for the next turn. You'll Any cards that are still on the tableau, you'll slide down toward the cards. Well, you remove any cards that are there in the first second row. Any cards that are left on the third row, you'll slide down towards the first row and then add a new cards above it. And then you'll take a new turn. You will add a new card for the AI. Um, each turn you could choose to get resources of one type. The number of resources you get depend on what difficulty setting you decide to play at. It's anywhere between, I think, one and four resources. You could either choose to take the resources or hire a new worker. You do that by either spending three food or lowering your stability by three. Um, you're gonna, and so that, that's the game. You're gonna keep repeating. Um, there's things that I have left out, uh, especially the different card types. There's buildings that you could buy. They're gonna basically give you resources each turn if you place a worker on it. Uh, food or books or gold, um, or coal or something else. Or, but anyway, they'll give you resources. There's military units, which will raise your military value. And that matters because on some turns there may be a war. There are some cards that are black-bordered that are war cards. If you roll the die, well, if you buy a war card, at the, at the moment you buy it, the war level is whatever your military level is. If the robot rolls the die and rolls a column that has a war card, the the war level becomes his military level. At the end of the turn, if your military level is below the war level that was defined when somebody bought that card, then you're going to lose the war and some bad thing's going to happen, which is listed on the card. It could be stuff like you lose a certain number of books or food or something like that. So the military units tend to be important because otherwise you will end up losing resources whenever there's a war and as Rustin said in the interview, there tend to be wars often. Not every round, but they do happen. Um, you need the buildings because gathering resources is important. There are wonders that you could buy. The wonders are special cards that you could spend engineers to build. The It takes anywhere from, I think, two to three turns to build a wonder. Some might be more. I don't remember for sure offhand. Um, or not turns, I'm sorry, but actions. One of the actions you could do is choose to to work on your wonder. Each wonder has a certain number of engineers. You will spend a certain number of engineers each turn to build the wonder and coal each time you take an action. And those engineers are available from a pool that are assigned each turn, so there may or may not be some. 
but you use them up, and once once you've taken your number of actions you need to do to do that, usually say let's say three, you then have your wonder built, and it'll give you some benefits. Some of the benefits are a one-time thing, like you may get a lot of food or gold. Some are repeating benefits where you get resources every term. Some are more interesting types of benefits. For example, one of the wonders, I forget which it is offhand, but one of my favorites, each turn I can convert a food, one food, to three of a different type of resource. I like it because it's very versatile. Some of the wonders also give you victory points for the end of the game. So there's the wonders. There's advisor cards. These are orange border cards, and these are people you have that could help you. The cards tend to be thematic. Um... So if one of the advisors you buy is known for something in history, then you'll have a benefit that is somehow related to that. For example, if you if you get a Genghis Khan as an advisor, and I'm not sure offhand that he is in the game or not, he probably is, then he probably raises your military level. There's the war cards that I mentioned. There's conflicts, which are battles. They're actually generally good. If you buy a conflict card from the tableau, it's going to give you resources based on your strongest military card. There's, I forget what they're called, there's some yellow border cards that you could buy that generally give you a one-time benefit, usually of uh, some sort of resource. Um, there's territories you could conquer, and but when you buy those, you basically it tells you you got to have a military of at least some number, or you can't buy it. And those also generally just give you resources every turn. And I believe there's one or two other types of cards. I'm sorry, I don't remember them offhand. So there you go. I've described the turn. I've described the different types of cards. I've told you a little about the AI. Now, I guess I really enjoyed this game as a solitaire game. It, it's a lot of fun because there's a lot of variety every game, and there's a lot of planning and strategy. It is the kind of game where if you're prone to analysis paralysis, you could spend a lot of time thinking about it. That may be a good or a bad thing, depending on your point of view, but... It is there as an opportunity, I guess. So now this is this game, I think, is definitely more resource management than nation building. The theme is about nation building, but I think the theme doesn't shine through as much as the game mechanics in this game. On the other hand, I mean, once you're done, you've got a bunch of cards you've bought, and you could step back and look and say, oh, gee, what's my empire like now that the 2,000 years have passed? You know, what cards do I have that kind of reflect? Am, am I... Heavy military power? Did I do a lot of imperial expansions, and or did I build lots of wonders, and or what? So you know, it's kind of neat that way. So some of the things I like about this game are the civ building aspect. I really like that. For some reason, the idea of civ building games is just neat. Um, as I said, even though it is kind of light, I do like it. The one thing I really enjoyed is the choices are interesting every turn. Um. Not only are you tr- trying to choose which cards you want to buy, but it's a race against time. You know, each turn you're gonna you're gonna buy a card, and then you're gonna roll a die, and probably three of the cards out there are gonna go away. So you really have to spend some time trying to decide which card do I really want this turn because I want to buy that first, and then hopefully the other cards I want are gonna be there after that, and I could buy them. You know, a lot of times it happens that I, I really want these two cards. I pick one to go first, I roll the die, and sure enough. The, the column that the other one is in is the number I wrote, and it goes away. It's very frustrating when that happens. On the other hand, when it doesn't happen, it's very satisfying. I do think, in a very real way, that does simulate playing against other players in that, you know, the cards are laid on the table at the beginning of a turn, 
You're going to look, you're going to have an idea of what card you want to buy. You have an idea what card your opponents want, but you don't really know which ones or in which order they, they want to buy them. It depends on whatever their priority happens to be. So as you're buying cards, you're taking a chance that the other card you want may be bought by your opponents. I, I think the, the randomly removing columns simulates that really well. It, it also kind of turns into a neat push your luck thing because, you know, I don't know if it is a push your luck or not, but you're taking a chance that the cards you want are not there, so you're sort of saying, gee, I should buy this now or should I buy it later? And like I said, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. You know, each, each game I've played ended up feeling very different and turning out very different. You know, because the mixed cards that are available are all very different. Some games I decided I wanted to spend time focusing on military, and I did. Sometimes I, I didn't even have it as a choice because just a lot of military cards weren't coming up, or because of the resources I had, or the timing, or whatever. I just ended up not buying a lot of military cards. Sometimes that was okay, sometimes not. Um, sometimes you end up spending more focus on one resource or the other. Uh, a few games I had tons of books. Other games I had very few books. And and all these things affect your score at the end. You know, and what you have and affects what you need and what's available affects what you end up buying. So like I said, it's just, just a lot of very interesting choices and the games play out very differently every time. Now what I don't like about the game, there's a couple things. Probably the main one honestly and oddly enough I guess is the size of the box. Um you know, I'm a bit obsessive this way, but I really like all my games to have very similar box sizes. They stack better together and it looks nicer together. Um, it's a very trivial complaint in a way, but, you know, whatever. It's important to me. Uh, unfortunately, this box isn't really like any other game I have. It's a big box. It is, it's smaller than Ogre, but it is also bigger than Robinson Crusoe, which is a pretty decent sized box. In a way, I'm surprised. I don't think the box needed to be that big. I understand why they did it. It's to make it the boards fit. But the boards could either... I don't know. Maybe they could have been a little smaller. Maybe not. But uh, Or maybe just fold or something. But I think because of that, the box is so big. And, you know, like I said, it annoys me a little bit. Um, uh, One thing I... I don't know that I like so much, and I kind of mentioned that it's kind of neat that at the end of the game you could step back and see what kind of civilization you've built. And maybe this is true about all civ building games, but one thing I didn't like is that it it's a lot of mixing and matching things from different cultures that and maybe don't make sense, like Mayan ruins with uh, European military units in one nation, uh, along with Asian buildings. Yeah, it's it's a strange mix. The the game is abstract enough, I guess, that it doesn't matter a lot. But I do wish it in a way that it was a little more oh, thematically tied in, I guess. I don't know. I'll, also, I found the game very confusing at first. And I don't know. I think it might have been me because the rule book is laid out very well. I made a few mistakes in the rules that really changed the game once I realized that I was doing wrong and actually made the game a lot more interesting. No, overall though, I did really like the game. Um, I had a lot of fun with it. I love all the choices I have each turn. I love that lots of cards don't show up every turn, so that every game is going to end up being very different. Now, this game brings—I I said a few hundred cards, I think. 
when you play, you're not going to use all of them. As a matter of fact, and as it was mentioned in the interview, they they recommend that the first time you play, just just use a subset of the cards. Apparently, a lot of the reason for that is so that you get a good mix. And as you get more experience, you add more cards into it, and the game will become more varied and and more interesting, actually. And then after that, there's even a third set you could add in. So there's tons and tons of cards. There are components specific to the Solitaire game. There's the tiles that control the AI, and there's the D6, and it's just a regular D6 that's used for randomizing what the AI does each turn. As I played the Solitaire game, I found that I didn't need most of the counters. It brings four sheets of counters. I pretty much only needed one of the sheets to play. I forgot to mention there's a couple boards in the game. There's a a, a board to place the cards on the, t- the tableau. Not necessary, but nice. Keeps your cards a little bit organized. There is also a board to keep track of all the score and victory points and all that sort of stuff. And then there's player boards. I believe there's five or six different nations you could start as. You could start as uh, Egypt, Rome, uh, Greece. I don't remember all of them. But you could start as Persia, I think, was another one. You could, in each card, on one side, they're all the same. And they start with very basic buildings and spaces for all the different things you could have. You could have one advisor, so there's one space for advisor cards. Or you could have a certain number of wonders. And if you decide to build more than that number, then you got to get rid of the ones you already have. Though, I'll tell you, it's a really high number. I think only once in the games I've played has that been an issue at all, where I ended up deciding to get rid of a wonder after I built it. But uh, there, there's fixed number of spaces, and if you flip over the board, they become specialized. So, for example, if you decide to play Egypt, you start with already one wonder built, surprise the pyramids, but then you end up having fewer spaces for other things also. Um, so it gives it, Egypt a different flavor to the other powers, other nations. And each of them is a little bit unique. I don't remember offhand, but I'm guessing Rome tends to be a little higher military than the others. So those make the game interesting. They they add variety. Uh, I played a couple with that, with a f- in a few of the different ones. I don't, I don't think it was necessary. I think it's just a different way to get variety if you're in the mood for it. I enjoyed it just as much with the the plain starting side, the where all the where they're all the same. Okay, so there you go. This is the game of nations. Like I said, I did enjoy it a lot. Um, I hope you've enjoyed this show. Well, that's the end of today's episode. If you'd like to contact me, you can find me as Fractaloon on BoardGameGeek, or you can email me at OnePlayerAlbert at gmail.com. You can also post comments on the Podcast Geek list on BoardGameGeek, or come visit the One Player Guild on BoardGameGeek for comments and discussion and whatnot. The intro music is copyright Angus and is protected under a Creative Commons license and can be found at gemendo.com. The show is published under Creative Commons Non-commercial, share-alike license. Thanks for listening.